our goal is to to maintain as best balance in the saddle so that the horse then isn't trying to balance us on top as well as balance themselves. Welcome to the Dressage Connection podcast, where we are demystifying dressage training so your connection with your horse can flourish and you can start making sustainable momentum in your riding. I'm your host, Beth Carter, an Australian dressage trainer, coach, and the human behind BC Performance Horses with a passion for making correct dressage training understandable and accessible for every horse and rider. I believe that every horse benefits from dressage training and I believe that it is possible to develop a horse that produces high quality work that scores well while still having an epic connection with your horse. I'm here to help you build foundations that will support you through the levels, own your role as your horse's trainer and fall back in love with riding your horse. So put your foot in the stirrup and let's build that dressage connection. I am extremely excited to welcome another very special guest to the Dressage Connection podcast, Natasha Gunston. Natasha is an exercise physiologist who specializes in rider biomechanics. She is the human behind the eventing physiologist and she works with riders both in person and online to help improve their position and their fitness both on and off the horse so that they can improve their performances and their communication with their horses. I am so excited not only to welcome Natasha to the podcast today, but to also welcome her into my signature online program, The Dressage Dream, as a guest coach, where she'll be working with the riders inside the program. The Dressage Dream is my 12-week online mentorship where you'll work closely with myself, Natasha, Dressage Judge Ali O'Neill, who I interviewed on the last episode of this podcast, and Mindset Coach Tanya Mitten to help make 70% your new reality. This is not a program that is going to give you a quick win at your current level, then leave you back where you started when you move up to the next level. This is a holistic approach to your competition strategy where we work on your mindset, training and ring craft to develop results that can sustain you through the levels. If you're listening to this podcast in February 2024, the next round of the Dressage Dream begins very soon on the last week of this month. If you're listening to this podcast at a later date, check the link in the show notes to see when the next round of the program is going ahead. Welcome to the Dressage Connection podcast, Natasha. How are you going? I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having me, Beth. Thank you so much for coming on. Tell us how you got here. What life experiences inspired you to become an equestrian-focused exercise physiologist? Well, I've ridden since a young age. So like any child, I was thrown on a Shetland pony and learnt to ride um, and hold on pretty much. And and I always had a passion for riding and especially eventing from a really early age um, and always been really interested in sport and exercise and how I could improve my riding. I wasn't always probably the most talented of riders. I didn't just born beautifully talented in the saddle. And I've always wa- wanted to improve myself and that's a strive for perfection, I guess, which can be good and bad in both ways. Um, But from an early age, I always wanted to work out how I can make myself a bit more functional in the saddle and out of the saddle in order to improve my performance. And so from there, my spark of um, interest in sports performance and exercise sort of 
stemmed and then went on to uni and studied a Bachelor of Clinical Exercise Physiology, which there I've become an exercise physiologist and a sports scientist and have really pr um, promoted active lifestyle and, and health interventions through working in the allied health industry. And then started to see more and more of my, my personal friends and, and them with little ailments, whether that be musculoskeletal issues or generally just wanting to focus on strengthening themselves to get better in the saddle. And I then went, oh, this is actually really interesting. So then um, looked into it further and did a lot more research, postgraduate studies and biomechanics and and how we function in the saddle and how we can improve our, our riding performance. And that's not just through biomechanics, but it's also just generally our, our functional performance as well. So that's sort of where that all has stemmed from over the last, gosh, probably 15 odd years starting from, you know, teenager and then building up and 10 years in allied health. So, yeah. Awesome. That's really cool. So what does a good rider position look like? Well, that's a, that's a really interesting question because that, and not to sound like a bit of a um, broken record, but it, it absolutely depends on the rider specifically. It depends on their body shape. It depends on their trunk size, their femur size, their lower leg length, um, the horse they're riding, uh, the saddle that they're in. It, it definitely changes uh, depending on the rider. But predominantly, ideally, what we should be trying to achieve is a straight line from shoulder to hip to the back of the heel. So not the middle of the ankle, but the back of the heel. That's where people oft, often um, are misguided. But that's ideally the magic position. And then we can change in and out of that position depending. Um, but that's our starting point. So my little magic trick is, is imagining that you are on your horse, you're standing um, outside looking into you riding and your video. And at any stage you pause the picture, you would ideally like to be able to fall directly down onto your feet and land. What I want you to then do is if you if you looked at some of your videos and, and looking at um, where you'd land, would you tip forward and land too far forward? Would you fall back onto your bottom as you land down from, from that position? Or where would you land a little bit to the left or land a little bit to the right, depending if you're a bit heavier one side or the other? So that gives you a good starting point to work out, ah, I might not be sitting as balanced as possible in the saddle because our our goal is to to maintain as best balance in the saddle so that the horse then isn't trying to balance us on top as well as balance themselves. Awesome. Yeah. And that was really interesting how you mentioned that not every rider, that the position is different for every rider. That's, I think, something a lot of people get stuck on is trying to kind of have a position that isn't right for their body type. So that was yes. a really great piece of advice. Yeah, yeah, I think. Yeah. And it's not about sitting pretty in the saddle. I think yeah. we always are misconstrued to think, oh, it's I've got to sit perfect and, mm -hmm. and upright and and pretty and that's actually not yeah. functional and that yeah. usually causes us often to brace even more yeah. so that that then will we'll put us into incorrect positions or stiff positions as well. So we've got yeah. to sort of take away that perfectionism I think that all riders definitely are and go oh actually how can I function better for myself yeah and function better for your horse so that your horse is able to balance with you up there which leads into my next question why is rider position so important because as we've just said it's not just about being able to look pretty on the horse what 
effect does that rider position have on the horse? So it's it's really important, obviously, to give clear, correct communication to the horse. So that's first and foremost. We, we're we're about the performance of the horse and what we're we're doing underneath us. And if we are limited in some way through our body or our position, um, or we're weak and imbalanced, we're constantly trying to create that as best as possible. But we are then putting ourselves into a little bit of a a delay. Maybe we we don't have good connection to that body we aren't even aware of our shoulders aware what their position are we're not aware of our pelvis and our hips so then we're that that thought process or proprioceptive awareness of that area is limited and it's a bit cloudy so the signal's not getting there as quick so our our communication and reaction time is less so not only then for performance outcomes but also then just for general safety in the saddle it can have an effect on us as well so they're they're the two main points is going okay well we want clear correct communication with the horse as quickly as possible because we know that riding's all based off feel but then also we want good safety in the saddle as well we need to be able to be as balanced as as strong in a good way to stay on the horse because none of us want to fall off (laughs) yeah exactly right (laughs) um what is the most important part of your body to strengthen if you're looking to improve your riding position well again not to again sound like a broken record it does depend um but um so it, it could depend on your injury history just your body as well of where you're usually a bit weak where you're a little bit tight all those sorts of things But more often than not, with all of my riders that I see, I start at the pelvis and I start developing the seat first. And then we can go from there, whether that be down to the ankles or whether that and the lower leg or whether it be up to the shoulders and the upper body position. I love to start at the pelvis and the seat in order to gain mobility and stability of the pelvis. And that then in turn will help us improve our leg position because we're in a better position of our seat and now our pelvis and then our upper body position because, again, we're in a probably better position and we're not having to compensate through upper body positions. So if we're talking about muscle groups and muscle areas, I love the hip complex as a whole through our lateral aspect lateral aspects excuse me um, and that is our glute meads so little muscles on the side of our pelvis there that tend to be weak especially on one side more than the other we just adopt these compensations but also then a little bit through deep core stabilization and that doesn't just mean your abdominals that means your your core as a whole and that's a huge structure that's not just the abs it's um, your pelvic floor which is also really important for females and males as well but having good pelvic floor strength and um, relaxation our diaphragm as well is is a part of our core so being able to breathe and that enables relaxation as well as then transverse abdominus which is a deep core muscle but then also the accessory muscles of our pelvis and that's our hip flexors which often get a bad rap for being really really tight usually they're really tight because they're really weak and underactive so they just lock up and they sort of get a bit locked and braced like a rusty gate and then the glute max at the posterior as well as glute med on the sides that I've already spoken about and all those muscles work together in order to create this beautiful little power pack that's our seat and our core and quite often we think ah well we're just going to go do sit-ups and we'll hold the plank and that's great for our core but actually It's about working all of those things together in a really functional way in order to improve both mobility and stability. Awesome. That wasn't a big (laughs) long-winded answer to that question. No, that was good. Yeah, because I think a lot of people go, oh, my God, I need to fix my legs or I need to fix my hands. But if you don't have that 
poor stability, then it's going to be so much harder to fix those other things. Absolutely, yeah. 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 And quite often, so say hand instability, we we lead to um, instability of the hands or balancing off the reins because we don't have that balance of our seat first, vice versa. If we don't have that that good position of our pelvis and our seat, we tend to then grip the knees to be able to, to keep the leg on because, again, our body and our brain subconsciously is trying to keep us safe. So all it does is it tries to keep us in the saddle no matter what. And that's then creates these compensations that we grip the knees or we balance off the reins, all those sorts of things, because we don't have the strength through the seat to start with that then causes us to do those those um, incorrect positions. Yeah, and then we grip with the knees or we grip with the reins and then that puts our horse off balance and then we can't be clear with the aids and it all just interconnects. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then yeah. you wonder like why the horses are then going forward and then we're riding yeah. even harder because we're trying to get mm-hmm. them forward and the leg aid's mm-hmm. not working and yeah, it, it all comes back around and yeah. and one thing doesn't then just unlock the rest, but one thing will lead to another and lead to another and lead to another and that, that both works positively and negatively. Yeah, definitely. So um so what are what are the most common problems or weaknesses you see in the position of the riders that you work with? So probably more often than not when I see riders is or see a, a collapse on one side. So usually on one side we'll have a hip that hitches up slightly and that same shoulder on that side will drop down. So we'll get this little compression on one side. So say if I'm behind someone looking at them riding away from me, their right hip will be hitched, their right shoulder will be dropped down. So we'll get a compression through this right side of their rib cage. The left shoulder then pops up and out, the left hip almost drops away. So we're getting this little compression. And usually that's from a weakness on the right side, the right lateral complex that causes everything to tighten up. And that I don't mean left or right. There's not really, I don't tend to see more right-sided weakness than left. It's just that's the example I'm using. But that's probably the most common thing I, I see to start with. And then we delve a bit deeper. Then we can then work out, oh, yeah, then we start to see a twisting of the trunk or fixing of the hands and things like that. But usually that's where we start to just, like, dissect and go, okay, well, there's actually an asymmetry there that we need to address then we start to get that a little bit more correct. So that's definitely probably the most common thing I see every day in in regards to asymmetry. Um, but then also the other common thing that I set, tend to see a lot is the dropping and rounding of the shoulders and that thoracic rounding because predominantly, again, a lot of my clientele that I see work sedentary jobs. And we, we sit down for a living and we unfortunately adopt not so great um, postural positions and then those behaviours then get added on and then we hop on the saddle, which then creates this increased pressure forward and we have to work really hard to open our chest and stay up against it. So that's just generally a positional thing that I see is a little bit more of that rounding position. And as we start to get a little bit more technologically, we see that in the the younger kids as well and the, like the teenagers that I start to see that, we, we're so tech biased now that everything's sort of creating this lovely forward position. So we need to be stronger through our postural stabilizers as well. As well. Yeah, so we need to find ways in the office to um, be more mindful of how we sit and how we use our muscles. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's 
not sitting there and doing all these different exercises at the desk, but even just sometimes moving and changing positions. If yeah. we're holding a position for about 20 minutes or so, we start to, the muscles start to brace and they start to spasm up a little bit and we hold lock in those positions. And even if we, every 20 minutes, we just move our shoulders, we have a little twist around and do some shoulder rolls and just lift the chest, take a few deep breaths in and out and then go back to what you're doing Easier said than done because quite often if you're working, you get in the moment and you're four hours deep and you're like, oh, actually, I haven't had lunch yet. So I, I understand that. But even just every now and then just moving and changing a position can make a big difference on the muscles in the body. So, yeah. Awesome. So I guess we've kind of just covered this, but how are these position problems correlating with um, how these posture weaknesses um, are affecting people off the horse so yeah like I just said with the the sometimes what we're doing in the saddle can affect us out of the saddle but more often than not if we take a step back and have a look at what we're doing all throughout the day leading up to that um, time in the saddle um, we go oh yeah actually those methods of what I'm doing is creating some asymmetry so when we when we look at our body and the asymmetries quite often they can be anatomical don't get me wrong and that's something that we we can't modify per se but we can help manage that's a really important thing to remember that just because that's the way you are doesn't mean that you have to just deal with that we can work on managing that and helping ease some of the the stiffness and tension that you are, have from that anatomical change but a lot of our asymmetries come from behavioral mechanisms and that's through activities of daily living if we have a little look at even just first thing in the morning when you clean the stables, you quite often will probably only use the rake in one direction because that's the way that's comfortable, it's the way it's easy and you're used to doing. If you try to do use the rake on the other side, it feels super awkward and you probably find that you take three hours to do that stable as opposed to the other side, which took you five minutes. And it's a bit, bit odd, but there's these things that we start to develop all throughout the day, even just so much as um, taking stairs, we might just dominate on one side where we take the stairs and lead constantly with the right leg or getting in and out of the car um, driving that's the other thing that we if we're not doing anything with our left leg because we're driving an automatic and our right leg's doing all the work and we do a lot of driving or vice versa if you drive a manual and you've got the clutch and your left leg's having to work really hard because you're driving in traffic all day those sorts of things we start to look at what we're doing all throughout the day that then can can um, have an effect then in the saddle because more times than not we're riding for about 45 minutes an hour and that's not enough time to outweigh the eight nine hours you're at work the eight nine hours you're sleeping at night ideally the all the life around that as well that driving and even take a take a second to when you get in the car next time you, you jump in and and go where am i sitting am i a little bit heavily seated seated in my right side or my left side am i collapsing a little bit you know, quite often we'll see if if you collapse a little bit in the saddle you might finally jump in the car the next day after you've had a session with me or even after you listen to this and you go oh my gosh i do collapse to the, my left in the car even and i go oh i drive like four hours a day this is not good because then it just like it adds on to all of that so it's taking a little bit of a look at what you're doing every day and um go oh and sometimes we can't change those things that's just the way we have to deal with it but if we're a little bit more aware that can make a big difference and the more and more we're aware of our body and what we're doing the better that that pro perception is so that being aware of what the body's doing where it is in space um 
that's how we start to to make these changes in the saddle because then we have that better mind-body connection. Yeah, that was really good because most people don't think like sitting in the car is having an effect on their riding. That Yeah. Yeah, yeah that, it's, that's it's, really good. Yeah, it's just really interesting sometimes you just take that step back and, and you're like it doesn't blow your mind because you go, oh, that makes sense. But mm. you've just probably never taken the time to yeah. think about that, that you go, yeah. oh, okay, I can have a little bit of a positive effect just from mm. me maybe you sitting a little bit more balanced in the car or maybe so much as that you feel that you collapse a little bit through your lower back that you might just put a little little lumbar roll in your lower back in the car when you're driving just to put to support your spine a little bit more and that can make a big difference on just your back health and you go oh I didn't realize that or those that drive hours and on end and then they get out and they do a few stretches the second they get out of the car to help that that can make a big difference too yeah um so why is it important for your riding to, to be working on these position things off your horse well, my biggest thing is quite often, like being a rider myself, I, I completely understand that we get on, we've got enough to think about when we're on the horse. We're trying to do our best possible job whenever we get on. And whether that is even just going for a trail ride or whether that's being schooling in the arena or whatever you might be doing, we have enough to think about, enough to worry about. And we want to try to get the best out of that session um, as possible. So in order to, to, get better awareness in the saddle quite often doing a few things out of the saddle allows you to focus wholly and solely on that area and that muscle group and that body part in order to improve the mobility or the strength and the stability in that that body part that joint and then you can feel confident that you have put some work in out of the saddle that when you get on you have a bit better feel because you know what that muscle is like when it's active or when it's it's being a bit freed up or mo more mobile that then you can probably get yourself into those positions a little bit easier that we're ideally looking for in the saddle because you've worked on that out of the saddle. So that's a big thing that I go to make your life a lot easier in the saddle. If we just take a few minutes every day, half an hour every day, it doesn't have to be half an hour if that's not, if that's not going to work in, but you, you go, I'm going to do two or three different stretches or exercises that help me in those areas that I'm struggling with in the saddle You'll, you'll quite often find that that's going to make a big benefit to you in the saddle because you're a bit more aware, as I was saying before, that mind-body connection because you've put that little bit of thought process into that body part. And then you can worry about getting on and enjoying your ride and, um, and concentrating on your performance outcomes that you're working on on that day or going for a relaxing ride, whatever it might be that you're doing. That sounds really good. And it doesn't have to be some big workout, like you said. It can just be something as simple as doing a few stretches or something that really targets your weaknesses. I think a lot of people think that to work on their position off the horse, they have to go to the gym and then it's like, oh, my God, I can't afford a gym membership and I don't have an hour a day to spend working out. It doesn't exactly. have to be that complicated. No, and I think we, we overcomplicate things and then we create this barrier to to doing it because we go, A, we get overwhelmed, we don't know where to start, and B, we just I just don't have time and, and time is usually everybody's biggest issue. We know, unfortunately, or fortunately, I don't know which way you want to look at it, um, horse riding is not just a hobby that we pick up on a Wednesday night and go and play with some friends. It's it's not touch as a social game. It's it's a lifestyle. It's everything that's at least hours every day just in order for us to be able to get 45-minute ride a couple times a week. So we don't often have 
all that time in the world. And great. Some people are super motivated and they want to do a little bit more. And, and that doesn't mean that that's, that's bad and and that doing so little is is good or whatever it is it's it's finding what works for you and what you can achieve and that's the biggest goal is what can you fit into your daily routine and make that a little bit more sustainable in order to help that long-term effect because it's all well and good you do a couple stretches a couple exercises once but that's not going to make sustainable long-term changes it's actually about doing something that you can do every day and that you can tick that box off and in, in order to make those long-term changes. We we want to be able to make it just part of your normal routine that you can achieve those things. And for some people that might be an hour at the gym and that's what they love because they get so many different responses from that and the endorphin release and they feel stronger. But for other people, they go, actually, I've just done two or three stretches at, or two or three strength exercises they just did some squats at the couch because that's what they had time for but they feel better off with that and it's achievable than making it too big of a goal that's not achievable and then we again we we mentally pull ourselves down because oh you didn't do that so that that's you're failing and we we start to then get into this really negative mindset and then that creates a barrier in itself go oh you don't have time for 30 minutes worth of exercise you just might not do it at all as opposed to going, well, actually, I have time for two minutes and I'm going to do that. And then in that time, I'm also going to work on my breath work because I can really focus on taking some deep breaths because I need to relax because I'm trying to fit so many things in my day that I have actually wound myself up and and go, oh, actually taking five minutes for yourself can make a big change to you physically but also mentally as well that you go, ah, I can actually achieve that as opposed to making the goal way too big but it's unattainable. Yeah, something's better than nothing. Yes, yeah, exactly. What are the most common mistakes you see riders making when trying to fix their position weaknesses? They try to do too much too quickly and they'll overcorrect things. So quite often it's it's subtle little changes and, and where we think we're shifting our weight, we're actually completely moving our whole body and where actually we just need to have a little bit more length in one side, which people then take way too far the opposite direction. And we, what we've got to remember is that the horse can feel a fly on their skin. Mm-hmm. So the second that we then move out of position, we've got to remember, one, it feels different for us, and that then, two, they will feel that, and that will feel different to them. So where they're used to you sitting, whether that's correct or not, they – and then you change that, it's going to feel weird for them. So sometimes they'll respond really positively straight away. Sometimes they won't respond at all or sometimes they'll respond really negatively because they're super sensitive that they go, oh, my gosh, now you feel completely different to where you just were. And so we then automatically go, oh, my gosh, it must be bad. So then we go either go back to where we were or we overcorrect even more because we're trying to just do too much. And sometimes it's actually little bit by little bit and you make small changes. It's that 1% improvement every day is better than trying to improve 100% in a day. It's like good old analogy. Rome wasn't built in a day. You take your time and that's going to make much more sustainable building blocks and foundations than trying to do way too much. Focus on one area or one little one little body part and work on that and then go to the next one and build on top of it um, from there awesome 
What is the easiest way for riders listening to this podcast episode right now to be able to identify their position weaknesses on their own? So big thing, like what I was saying earlier, would be have a little video of yourself. So get someone standing in the middle of the circle and video as they're as you're riding around them. And then also have someone videoing you as you're riding away in a straight line and riding back towards you. And watch the video in um, normal speed, slow it down. And, and then, like I was saying, pause it at different stages and have a little look at your body. Don't forget to be nice to yourself as well we're so critical and hypercritical of our own self that we can often get down a downward spiral so don't want this to be in a negative way have it in that way that you're at that stage in your writing and your performance outcomes that you're looking at improving yourself we're not there going what are we doing wrong we're doing what can we improve and do better and take a look and go okay my analogy if we were to get rid of the horse where would you land would you land on your feet if not, that's a great place to start. You go, okay, well, I need to get my trunk in a different position or I need to bring my lower leg back or whatever it might be. Or when you look at yourself riding away from you, you see that you have a compression on one side or you might be shifted out the saddle a bit too far to the right or the left and you go, okay, well, I'm going to address that and see what it feels like. And the big thing is then when you do start to change these little things and you start to address these your body's told you that that is balanced and straight and that feels good, that when we do start to tweak these little um, positions, it will start to feel very odd and change doesn't always feel comfortable because wherever our bodies put us, that's where it thought is comfortable. But then we've moved and now that will feel really uncomfortable, especially if we're a bit weak in those areas that are supposed to be doing that job. So remember that it's, it's subtle changes will hopefully enable that a bit better, but not doing too much and, and that it's not always going to be the most comfortable position that you're going to get into. But over time, you'll start to feel that that's normal. Yeah, because you'll strengthen and you'll create a new, <laughs> new muscle memory to be exactly. able to be in that position and that'll just become your new normal yeah yeah it's just like say the first time you've learned um how to pick up canter it would have felt really really uncomfortable and very weird and you're doing different things in your body at different times but now it's probably second nature same thing with um leg yields or shoulder in it's or it's probably felt really odd to start with to get your body in those positions and you feel like you're screwing yourself around and pretzeling yourself up but now you actually go oh i'm actually in a much better position it's it's become so much more autonomous in my body and yeah. my awareness yeah yeah awesome what's the best piece of advice or motivation that you have for riders that are ready to get um to start getting more intentional about improving their position it's, I think one one big thing is it's never too late to start. So quite often people go, oh, I've ridden like this for years and years and years, and that's, that's great, but it doesn't mean that there isn't somewhere that we could always improve and, and work on and get a little bit better, a little bit more functional because quite often you'll find that you're not, not then just going to help yourself in the saddle, but you're going to help yourself out of the saddle with all different things around and as I said before riding is a lifestyle it's, it's everything else that comes with it not just the riding it's the picking up the bows of hay it's the cleaning the stables it's, it's the bending over constantly that puts a lot of load on our body so if we can maintain as best function as we possibly can through a little bit of supplementary work that's going to make a big influence on our, our overall wellness not just our riding as well so I definitely think that 
it's never too late to start doing something. And, and as we already touched on, a little bit is can make wonders to your life. Yeah, that's awesome advice. I work with people a lot who are kind of getting older and they're like, oh, well, I've ridden like this for my entire life. And it's like, cool, but let's start working on, on it. It doesn't yeah. have to be this way. It doesn't always have to. Yeah, and you don't, and and like I was saying before, yeah, okay, sometimes it can be anatomical, but it doesn't mean you have to deal with that constant tension or that pain. Yeah. Sometimes we can't improve that. I definitely understand that, that there are like chronic pain and things like that. But if we can help supplement that and manage that in best way, shape or form, that's great. And that same thing goes with riding just because that's the way that we've always ridden. doesn't mean we can always, we can tweak it. We're not completely changing the way someone's riding. We're just trying to harness that position and improve its function as best we can as well. That's the biggest thing. We're not all aiming to ride like Ingrid Klipka. We're actually trying to, like I said earlier, everyone's position is going to be different or everyone's ultimate position is going to be different. So it's actually then doing some subtle tweaks that can enable that big change as well that I'm not going to move mountains. It's actually subtle little things that will make a big difference. Exactly. Like I broke my collarbone when I was 17. So I really struggled with my right collarbone now being shorter than my left collarbone. And I just have to be really aware of that. And at first I really struggled with that one really dipping down when I was riding, but I just had to be so focused on keeping them even, even though my body wasn't even. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah. And it was just little bits at a time, just slowly improving that. Yeah. Yeah. And it is it's really handy that eyes on the ground's ideal if you've if you've got that. But sometimes we don't. So, you know, we're so lucky with some new technology that we can have um either mirrors if we've got those. Again, we might not be lucky enough to have mirrors, but just having a video every now and then of watching you ride and and having a little check in and going, Oh yeah, no, I'm I'm on the right path. And or going, oh I thought I felt straight today and my, my right shoulder's dropping or whatever it might be. Or you felt a little bit unbalanced and you look at yourself and go, oh, I was riding really well today. So it's 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 about taking that awareness and, and being being able to assess yourself and analyse yeah. but not being hypercritical as well. I think yeah. that's a big thing that I try to reiterate to people yeah. is we don't always yeah. have to be so critical on ourselves. Yeah, it's like you've got to be able to be honest about where you're at but don't just pile on and pile on of everything. Like if you look at yourself and you go, oh, my God, I'm like balancing on my hands and my legs are all over the place, instead of focusing on that, they can focus, okay, why is that happening? Is my pelvis in the right place? And then a lot of the time when they fix that, then the fixing the hands and fixing the legs will just become a lot easier. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's 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 then having that that growth mindset and going, okay, great, that's that's what I'm doing, but what can I do in order to improve that? And yeah. and just constantly having that really positive mindset, which will enable that better behavioral change as well. So I think that's really important. Yeah, exactly. So that's all of the big questions I've got for you. But I wanted to ask you a few rapid fire questions. Just answer them as fast as you can. Oh gosh, okay. <laughs> I overthink absolutely everything, so this will be great. <laughs> Just the first thing that comes to mind. Mm. Riding or coaching? Uh, oh, it's so hard, both, but I, I love riding. I love training. I Yeah, so I have to definitely say riding. Mares, geldings or stallions? Geldings, that's a really easy one for me. <laughs> Sweet or savoury? Savoury. 
Riding indoor or outside? Outside. Training or competing? Oh, that's really hard. I just, uh, competing. I just love competing cross country. It's just that adrenaline. Summer or winter? Oh, at the moment I'd say winter, but. <laughs> <laughs> it's been so hot here in Queensland. Yeah, it's um, been awful. <laughs> horses with bling or no bling? Oh, I'd love to say bling, but all of my boys have always had no bling on them at, at all. So I'd go no bling. <laughs> mornings or evenings? Mornings. Coffee or tea? Coffee, hands down. <laughs> yeah, I think every horse person is going to say that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Favourite saddle? Uh, I do love my PDS monoflap dressage saddle. Nice. So I, Even though I'm an eventer, I just I will ride in that whenever I can <laughs> nice favorite riding pants uh I really love my QJ riding breeches they're, oh, they're Bella breech. yeah and they're like a half tight half breech um I'm definitely a traditionalist I love breech high-waisted but these have a really high, um, really thick waistband they come up nice and high but they're still stretchy enough for me to literally ride see some clients, mobilise around, get back into the clinic, see clients at home, and they're really versatile. So they're definitely my favourite. Awesome. Favourite horse to ride? Oh, I do love my boy. Is that just any horse or? Any horse. So it can be your boy or it can be any horse. Oh, yeah. Like he's just got such a good work ethic. I love him. I always have a really good ride on him. He's such I a love boy. it. <laughs> it's not biased at all. <laughs> Favourite boot brand? Oh, I love my De Niro's. I got custom ones for my 30th birthday and they're just to die for. <laughs> yeah, they're the best. Yeah. Um, Favourite stirrups? Oh, my Flexons. So I got Flexon safe ones, um, just the flat ones, not the inclined ones, and they are so great. for. I jump in them. They're really good with the shock absorbers and they've got the safety release on the side. So if I do come off... Um, that I don't have that risk of having my foot left in the stirrup. So they're definitely my favourite. I recommend them to everybody. Awesome. Favourite helmet? Uh, my gatehouse. I've got both a gatehouse dressage and a skull cap for cross country and they're so high on safety standards. Just love them. Awesome. I love that you're prioritising safety. They're not just pretty. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, and like they're quite big. So, and I'm yeah. not very, I haven't got a very big, well, I'm not a very big person generally, but I, I, can't put safety is my first priority and yeah. yeah if they look lovely that's great but I have to have my head safe exactly <laughs> we've only got one, nothing. We've, yeah we've only got one brain so we've got to yeah. keep it safe mm-hmm. yeah who inspires you as a writer oh um well my favorite my favorite writer is probably Ingrid Klimka um I just love the way she works in the saddle and with all the different disciplines. So she's definitely probably one of my most inspiring people. But also I do like, and again, these are event writers, but I love Ros Cantor and um, Piggy French and Kitty King. They're all really hardworking ladies that have, have not just had it really easy and they've worked really hard both in and out of the saddle and they're not the biggest of riders either. So that gives me a good inspiration. I love looking at people that, uh, very similar size to me unfortunately I don't have beautiful long legs like Ingrid so that's not very appropriate for me to watch and look at but um I yeah they're they're probably like my my favorite riders awesome 
If you could ride one horse in the world, dead or alive, who would it be? Uh, it has to be Lordship Scrafflow, which is one of Ros Cantor's. She just won badminton last year and the Europeans last year, and he is just, oh, oh he just looks unreal. Like, yeah, he's such a cool, cool horse. Awesome. What is something you wish everyone would do with their horses? Enjoy them. I really think we put so much pressure on ourselves, um, whether it be competition or generally training, to be getting everything perfect 100% of the time. We do forget that actually we have this beautiful privilege of being able to get on a horse every day and enjoy it. So if we can enjoy our horses a little bit more, that would be great. I love that answer. If you could change one thing to make the equestrian world a better place for the horses, what would you change? Oh, that's a, that's a deep question. Um, I think if we were a little bit more supportive of one another uh, as humans, <laughs> I think that would be good. I think we are so quick to judge other people and where they are and, and what they're doing um, that then that has a negative effect or a detrimental effect on the horses but um if we all just had the horses our number one priority and not worrying about what the person next to us is doing but instead actually supporting them and giving them a high five i think that would make a big difference yeah that's another fantastic answer if you could give your younger self one piece of advice what would it be just keep on chugging like just you you never you never stop learning. So just embrace every opportunity you've got um, and you're given and just learn from whatever that opportunity is, whether that be negative or positive and um, continue to strive for bigger and better things. Awesome. If you could be known for one thing, what would it be? Cool. Um, I'd really just want to make positive effect on people's health and wellbeing and that's not just with riding performance, but just generally um, both in and out of saddle. So, yeah, just having a really positive effect on, on people's health and well-being. That's awesome. For anyone looking for you online, where can they find you and how can they work with you outside of the Dressage Dream, of course? Yes. So I have Instagram and Facebook. It's The Eventing Physiologist, so welcome to go on there. I also have a website that you can um, have a look up and have a read. I have an online exercise program that you just you can sign up to. It's just a one-off payment and it's a huge library of exercises that you can do at the saddle, a few educational con content um, pieces on there. Um, so that's a great way to work on it remotely. The other thing that I do as well, I'm in southeast Queensland, so I obviously see clients both in the clinic and um, uh, outside and mobile. But I also do online sessions, so Zoom sessions off the horse as well. If you want to have a one-on-one -on -one session with me, we can um, connect via Zoom and we can go through all sorts of different things. We um, can chat about your riding, what you've been struggling with, what you've been doing, and be able to develop you a little plan in order to work on some of those things out of the saddle from then on. Awesome. And I'll link all of your links in the show notes of this episode so people can find you. Fabulous. Thank you so much for joining me today. I've had such a great time chatting to you and I'm sure our listeners have gotten so much out of this. And I am so looking forward to having you be a part of the Dressage Dream family. So thank you so much for agreeing to do that. My pleasure. I'm so excited to be a part of this journey. 
So make sure you go and check out Natasha on her socials. And if you're ready to jump in and work with us on developing your 70% dressage framework, make sure you check out the dressage stream. I'll leave all of the links in the show notes for you. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of the Dressage Connection podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure you hit subscribe so you don't miss out on any future episodes and leave a rating, review, or share a screenshot of this episode to your stories to help more people find their dressage connection. You can always reach out to me on Instagram with any questions about anything we've covered on the podcast, your own writing journey, or just to say hi at bc.performances. You can also get the latest info about how you can work with me on website bcperformancehorses.com i can't wait to hang out with you in the next episode but in the meantime go on and build that beautiful dressage connection